guys welcome and welcome back to the podcast i've been meaning to watch that i am your one only, i'm not your one only host i am one of your hosts monica dolcio i'm joined by an awesome awesome special guest you guys may not know him but he is so freaking cool he has a twitch channel hazmat tv hazmat not hazmat tv but hazmat and he does this really awesome thing on twitch called survivor where he has friends of his play minecraft and they're basically playing like survivor kind of games in minecraft and it's super cool he is a mod for some really awesome people on twitch like mari and Lasercorn, atomic mari Lasercorn. if you had heard of them they're on smosh games they're super dope really great he is super funny. He has so much to offer to us on this conversation. On this conversation, we're gonna have about horror movies. Guys, please give it up for my wonderful, wonderful friend, Matt. Matt Thank yay! you for having me. Glad to be here. Thank you for saying yes. Thank you for you know agreeing to be in the pod. Mm-hmm. Anytime. I, yeah. I when I when I heard you, that we would be talking about movies, I was like, yes, <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> so. We love that. And guys, mm. today before we get started, we're gonna talk about horror movies today. Before we get started, we're gonna talk about things that we can't wait to watch, upcoming movies and TV shows that we cannot wait to see that are going to be coming out. And I am just gonna go ahead and say that I cannot wait to watch this new movie coming out called Everything Everywhere All At Once. And like, I'm a sucker for movies that have like really long titles because it's like, yeah, put everything in there. Let me see. But mm-hmm. it's a basically like a kind of kung fu flick. It stars Michelle Yeoh who I love, who we all remember from Crazy Rich Asians, and she is phenomenal. She is amazing. She's in this great movie. It's coming out, obviously, out of A24 Studios, and obviously, if you're a film nerd, you know who A24 is, so you know it's going to be bomb. So I'm excited to see. I think it's going to come out um, everything, everywhere, all at once. I think it's coming up next year. It's coming out March 25th, 2022. It starts with Michelle Yeoh. It also has Jamie Lee Curtis in it, which I'm very excited to see. Uh, so it's going to be filmed, directed by Daniel Kwan and Daniel uh, Schnert. Uh, it's going to be amazing, epic. He also directed Swiss Army Man, which is, you know, a very critically acclaimed film. So we're excited to see it. We're excited for it to come out. I can't wait to watch it. Matt, is there anything that you cannot wait to watch that is coming out very soon? I cannot wait to watch Scream 2022. Ah. Um, <laughs> I, I I know that's the obvious answer, but being Scream franchise is my favorite horror franchise, mm-hmm. and I never got to experience the actual movies because Screams 1, 2, and 3 came out before I was born. Um so I never got to experience those in mm-hmm. theaters and Scream 4 came out when I was 10 or 11. So this will be the first time that I'll, I'm actually able to sit in theaters, watch it for myself. Um, and it, it's going to be an interesting one. Am I excited for it? Yes. Am I nervous for it at the same time? Yes. Cause mm-hmm. it's the first, it's the first one that's not directed by Wes Craven. Mm-hmm. Kevin Williamson still wrote for it. Like uh, he did for Screams 1, 2, and 4. Um, directors this time, I had to look them up. I knew it was Matt and Tyler. Couldn't remember last names. Uh, Matt Bedinelli Open and Tyler Gillette. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, from what I hear, they're big fans of Wes Craven. So I know that Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette wouldn't have agreed to go into this if they weren't comfortable so mm-hmm. if they're feeling comfortable then i'm going to give it i'm gonna be 
a little bit more comfortable and yeah i'm excited for it so we love cannot wait uh perfect transition into what we're talking about today guys we're going to talk about horror movies and you know matt and i both love we're both people who like used to not watch horror movies now we kind of watch them and i kind of just want to like talk about like new horror films and like older horror films and like how they relate to today and like are older horror films better are the newer ones good or can they be as good as the original if they're out there you know you want to talk about and also talking about like new forms of horror and what that means for the genre and like horror in general and like why it's kind of seen as like a popcorn kind of genre where it's just for like you know going out having a fun time like for a date night but not really taking it seriously like biopics can be taken seriously, dramas or any kind of films like that like how oftentimes like comedic films are not often considered for like the golden globes or the sag awards when it comes time for award season but they will think of the film kind of like the fourth hour or like phantom thread for like awards why is that and why like horror deserves to have it's you know why it deserves to have day you know mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Matt, tell me a little bit about, like, why you like horror. Uh, I think why I really started to get into horror films was, well, for the first part, um, I didn't watch horror movies originally because I was scared. Um, I was, like, I won't like that. I have a lot of anxiety, (laughs) and horror generally just triggers anxiety, or it used to. Um, I feel like the reason why I like to watch horror now mm-hmm. is because I like the story that it tells and kind of playing off of fears um, that many people have, whether it's sleep, like Friday the third, or Fra- whoa, whoa, Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah. uh, or like being alone camping out in the woods Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. um, and just playing a off of a bunch of different fears and you kind of learn something by watching these experiences mm-hmm. um but also it's just really fun to watch some are murder mysteries you don't know who the killer is um some have interesting techniques and a lot of horror movies too have comedy in them um lots and lots of horror movies do um so those moments too are kind of make it all the more fun for me yeah. so many different reasons for many different genres but i like the stories that they um tell yeah i totally get that and i love horror i like i too didn't really watch horror films when i first started getting movies and stuff like that and it was just kind of like oh that's just not my thing that's just not for you know like i see that girl who didn't like this film because like i didn't want to be something like as that girl but horror mm-hmm. movies aren't bad it's just that there are some things that are bad ones you know and I think it took me, like, watching Get Out to really, like, kind of try and give the horror genre a chance because I love Jordan Peele and I love Keen Peele. I watched, like, every single episode of it, like, over and over. It's my comfort show. They're amazing. They're hilarious. Mm-hmm. When Jordan Peele said he was making his own horror film, I was, like, kind of surprised because to go from comedy to, like, horror is, like, an interesting pivot, you know? And you would think that he would keep making movies kind of like, like American Wet Summer or movies kind of like, you know, um, Hot Rod, you know, like comedy, slapstick comedy movies that don't do well, but just like, they're funny and they're a fun time. They may not make sense, but with Get Out, it was so incredibly, it was incredible. And we had talked about this on our previous pod that I did with Glenn. We talked about horror films for Halloween and Get Out was so interesting because it really does rely on fear because it has the same setting of normal horror films in suburbia you know where you're like in American suburb 
and it's just like a quiet place nothing's wrong everything's okay you know what could go wrong here and then the next thing you know someone dies and it's like oh no what happened like who who did this you know what i mean and with get out it was like a subversion of it almost because you're in suburbia but it's not because it's peaceful and it's quiet but because this is the bad place like you are in the place where the bad things are going to happen and there are so many nuances to the film that you pick up on after like rewatch after rewatch after rewatch because I've seen this movie four times already and each time it's just better than the first time like the attention to detail that Jordy Peele has to this film is incredible it's it's like it's like hey when you first watch the movie the opening scene is playing Childish Gambino's Redbone which is like um you know the lyrics are watch out there's creeping they're gonna find you like in the song it's like a hip song you can listen to but when you listen to the lyrics it's like a warning to Chris that he doesn't hear but we as the audience see it because we have that dramatic irony like something's gonna go wrong this is a horror film but you don't know what and another thing about horror films they always have like some innocent animal dying in a horror movie like it's either the killer that like kills a hamster in like school to show that he's like off or something but like a deer gets run over or something like that and like hereditary said like no deer let's take a child in fact <laughs> like no no deer a <laughs> child you know what i mean we love <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> I like Hereditary, um, I haven't thought about Hereditary in so long. Have you seen Hereditary, Matt? I, I don't think so yet. <laughs> I have watched about 30 horror movies, mm-hmm. 20 to 30 horror movies in the past two months, so I, I'm pretty sure I didn't. You're, but, you went into a deep dive. Oh, I really went into a deep dive. <laughs> Oh god, it was bad. No, not that's bad. Good. It was fun. Yeah. It was fun. But um and I'm still going into that deep dive. Like I haven't seen the Saw I, I know about the Saw franchise. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that yet. Um what else haven't I seen? I guess we were talking about this before. I haven't seen the rest of Final Destination. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean you don't need to watch Final Destination, it's ass. Yeah, it but... is. Yep. But um I do with newer horror movies, I think I've been working too much on the classics that I haven't really, um, I haven't really been watching many new films, mm-hmm. but of the new films, I'm really surprised at how, um, at how different they are, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, instead of being the general classic um, slasher trying to scare you for no reason whatsoever, everything has uh everything is unique and very modern mm. um while a lot of classic horror movies feel out of date at this time i feel like talking about get out um get out and there was another movie that i had watched recently better watch out and from 2016 um and then even us a lot of these new films aim to seek that um some form of social they take a social problem and address it in a way that really makes the viewer think mm-hmm. um and going off of how jordan peele's a comedy writer um, everyone who got the Breaking Bad script thought mm-hmm. that those were all comedians, and that now it's one of the most highly acclaimed shows of all time. Right. Um, so whenever I hear there's like a comedian doing something like uh, anything, mm-hmm. I generally trust it <laughs> because I know that comedians have a really good knack for creating a story mm-hmm. and paying attention to that close detail. 
Yeah. And with Get Out, I feel like that entire... Sh- it's so uh, expertly woven together, and I just... Yeah, I think it's one... I think Get Out is one of the more modern horror movies that kind of speaks for the current stance or state of the genre yeah i love get out because it's definitely so so different and there were a lot of like remakes of get out that have not a lot but there was one that came out on BET, and it was only on the bet streaming service bet and it was called karen and it was literally about a white woman like terrorizing her black neighbors like literally that was all the movie was about because like you know uh i guess what is it imitation is the like highest form of flattery you could say yep. but I love to get out because you're right. Comedians are great storytellers. Because as a comedian, you have to look at everyday life or like everyday struggles, whether it's like good things or embarrassing things, and figure out a way to repackage it into a joke and give a punchline. That way, people can like laugh at it and relate to it because people like that about comedy. It brings people mm-hmm. in. And horror films rely on fear. They rely on people being scared. And it's easy to have like a group of kids be scared of falling asleep because. There is, like, a scarred, disheveled, like, gross-looking man that's going mm-hmm. to kill you in your sleep, and then you'll die in real life. Like, that is scary, but it's not realistic, you know? Yeah. Like, having somebody yeah. like Michael Myers with, like, a face mask come into mm-hmm. your house and then, like, slash you up, that doesn't, like, that's a fear, and it's scary, but you don't see that on the local news, yeah. you know? Like, having yep. a young couple, interracial couple... And being scared to meet your, like, partner's parents because the family's white and you don't know if they'll accept you because you're not white. That's a fear. And that's a real fear that people, that's a real fear that people can relate to because it happens in everyday life. And also there are circumstances where, like, it can go well or it can go badly. You know, like, everyone knows, like, that Twitter story of that guy who got that text from a woman who was, like, his mom but wasn't really his mom and he got invited to Thanksgiving with her. And he went to Thanksgiving with her every single year. And it's, like, that really sweet, wholesome story of, like, Jamal and, like, the really sweet, like, white woman who, like, has the glasses and, like, invites him to Thanksgiving. Like, that's wonderful and that's great. But, like, that doesn't happen for everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's important to, like, have movies that aren't just, like, scary and, like, slasher films, but having films that say something, you know? Like, you can have your horror. You can have your, like, you know, people levitating off of their beds or, like, people having, like, a monster crawl out of their chest or you know whatever the frick you want to do like a man like slashing through someone's door and be like here's johnny like you can do all that but like if you have a movie where someone's hearing buzzing in their ear to the point where they bang their head on the desk to the point where they're like they have head trauma that's different like you have a bunch of college kids want to go to sweden for a retreat for their anthropology project and then one by one they get picked off and they start disappearing that's interesting that's scary you know yeah And I think you bring a good point about reality in horror movies. Um, There was this one horror movie, um, Truth or Dare, I think, Mm -hmm. that for me didn't kind of fail to scare me because you're not going to go into this random church, Mm -hmm. play Truth or Dare, and then all of a sudden some weird magical thing. It's a good movie, don't get me wrong. Um, is it? But, no, it's not. <laughs> I just didn't want to, like, yeah. upset anyone out there. It's right, not a good right, movie. Right. But, um, it, it is an interesting concept, but it fails to have that reality aspect. And mm-hmm. I could go on naming a lot of things like that. Yeah. Um, also, Unfriended, and... I think, is a movie that's kind of like that. Like, there was a weird trend of, like, Skype horror films. Yeah, 
yep. where they have like the person everyone's like on their camera and like mm. there's somebody that they bullied a long time ago that's like sending them weird messages oh no what do we do like you know i think like it's good to try and make films that are different and like use different i think the only movie that really did capitalize off of like doing movies that are only on a tv screen or only on a computer screen was searching it starred John Cho. That was such a good movie. I loved it so much. And he was like looking for his missing daughter. And his daughter used to like do like you remember you now that like live streaming platform. Yeah, yeah. I, I never used it, but yeah. Yeah, she used to use that all the time, and she would talk to people on that live streaming platform, and she would stream, and no one would watch her, but it would just be her like streaming it, and like her just like living her life. And the dad is trying to figure out what happened to his daughter what went wrong like all this stuff through just like a computer screen through just like the video like never ever does the does the movie ever like pick up a camera and literally follow him it's all through like video and it's all through what's happening on a computer screen. and it's so good like that's like a really good mystery show mystery movie and like i think that a lot of times there are horror films that try to have a good concept but then they kind of fail at it like, mm-hmm. You know, like, you can do something more with it, but it's just not, it's not there, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, Yeah, and I think a lot recently, especially last, the the pandemic years, um, 2020 and 2021, um, hopefully not 2022, but be realistic. (laughs) Um, So, we've seen a lot of horror movies of people in a Zoom call. I forget, I'm forgetting a lot of titles in my head, but there was one horror movie um, where a bunch of friends are on a Zoom call, they bring in some, um, I forget who she was, but she was going to help them all talk to ghosts, and no. she said a spell. No. No? No, I said no, because, like, that's Oh, because me. you don't, okay. <laughs> okay. I was like, what? Yeah, so she yeah. said a spell, uh-huh. and then to invite the ghost, oh, and gosh. then her Wi-Fi cuts out. Okay. Bummer. Yeah. So, um, all these ghosts start to appear and killing off everyone on Zoom calls one by one. It's called and Host. Yes. I think. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Host. Um, and then there was, there was another one that was kind of similar, kind of not. Mm-hmm. Um forget that one's name and then also a lot of pov movies have been coming out like there's there was one movie i think it's a spanish movie so i would never remember the name but it's a journalist and there's some outbreak and the journalist goes in with her cameraman to this Mm -hmm. building and the government quarantines the building and it's like a zombie outbreak oh well outside everything's fine Ooh. it's a zombie outbreak inside the building oh. um so that one so i think this whole point of view um horror technique now mm-hmm. if you will it's succeeding in that it's kind of putting the viewer into the driver's seat making them feel like they're actually there um but even then i still feel like we're at a point where the horror hype has really started to decline and everyone's experimenting and trying to figure out what works um yeah there's nothing wrong with trying something but sometimes what sometimes is bad you know Mm -hmm. like it's okay to try to do something different, but I think, like, I think a good example would probably, uh, Malignant, which was a new horror film that came out on HBO Max. Yep. It was not good. Like, no. It was not okay. It was not, and, like, I understand why you want to, like, do something different. Like, James Wan, I believe, director of Malignant, and he's also done 
a lot of other really great horror films as well. So like he's obviously like done his due diligence and he's like gained a name for himself and he's like you know what I'm gonna do something different. I'm gonna do something new. I'm gonna try this out and just see if it works. If it doesn't I don't really care because I'm already rich and that's fine. But like yep. Malignant was so weird. Like if you haven't seen Malignant the movie essentially it's about this woman who dreams about people dying and then they die in real life. And mm. so of course the police begin to suspect her and then find out that when she had a twin and like the twin is attached to her in some way i don't remember exactly what happened in the movie because when i watched it i felt like i was watching some of the fever mm-hmm. like i was trying to like really stay in it and like figure out like what was going on and like is it scary yeah is it gory yeah but does the story like make sense no no. That's the problem with a lot of horror films. Like, you can't just scare me. Like, you can't just have someone dying or someone's head explode or, like, have, like, suspense or something. Like, if I'm watching 40 minutes of filler and no one has died, I'm leaving. Like, yeah. Yep. I don't need to be I scared the like... whole time, you know, but some a little bit, you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like a horror movie, what a lot of people think constitutes a horror movie mm-hmm. is scaring people. And that's not the role of horror. The role of horror is to make the viewer walk out of the, um, or, like, turn off the TV or walk out of the movie theater and still, like, ponder in their head the implications of what they just watched. Whether it is a fear aspect and being like, what if someone does come and attack me, whatever. Um, or being, like, just understanding general implications of how something like that story could impact society. Um, I think it's really, uh, yeah, I, I think that's what constitutes success. And I feel like a lot of modern horror makers are failing to achieve that. Yeah, I think um, with Halloween, uh, we should talk about horror movie reboots because there have been, I think, a, a lot. few. Oh, a lot? Yeah, um, there's uh, Halloween, yeah. Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. um... Oh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Fear Chucky, Street, Invisible Man. Oh, yeah. Yep. Fear Street. Is Fear Street a remake? Um, it? not sure. Because maybe it's not a remake. Maybe I just thought it was. But... Fear Street Part 1, 1994. Never mind. It's a, it was a trilogy. Interesting. I oh, it was a YA book. Never mind. That's why. I, yes. You said The Invisible. Oh, I didn't know the, the Invisible Man was a remake. Yeah, The Invisible. Yeah. So, what I feel like a lot of, um horror movies are trying to do now is relate to the modern audience because what the original Halloween tried to do was it was a slasher film make you feel scared of this guy coming into your house and killing you yay Uh, but um, what a lot of remakes now like Rob Zombie's Halloween is to try to put modern life Uh into these franchises so the Invisible Man I couldn't tell you what year it was, but originally it was this guy who drank a magic potion and voila, he was invisible. Oh. Um, but now the new one um, is more technology-based, so <laughs> this guy is in this suit that turns him invisible. I don't oh. get it. Um, it will. I'll get into it. <laughs> I just want. I want to hear what questions you have because I have a lot that I could say on this subject before. I think that um, remakes are good in some circumstances because, mm-hmm. like, if you want to take a movie from like the 30s, 40s, 50s, 90s, whatever, and you want to redo it in the modern era, I think they can do it, and I think that there is also the expectation of 
upholding the story of the original, but also like the magic of the original in there and keeping it like close. Like I think the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, they kind of lost that along the way, like after the third mm. one or so, because they kept mm-hmm. remaking it. And like, you don't have to tell me Freddy's story every single time. I already know. Get to yep. it. Get to it. Mm-hmm. You don't need Freddy 101 no more. Like nobody cares. Yep. Like, yep. Exactly. move past it. And I think The Invisible Man, I didn't know it was a remake. And I think that benefited the move more because mm. it has, like, even though, like, it has, it took technology. In 1933 it, was the original. I think it also was a great film because um, it was a great movie because, like, it kind of gives, like, this commentary on, like, domestic violence and domestic disputes mm-hmm. and how oftentimes women are not believed. And, of course, it's hard to believe a woman if she says, like, her boyfriend that died is, like, stalking her and, like, oh, it's a ghost, but he's not mm-hmm. asleep. Like, that, I get it. Like, ah. But, like, also, just dumb it down a bit. Let's make it very basic. A yeah. woman is talking about how her boyfriend, her partner, their partner is not treating them well. How many times have cops been like, oh, well, break up with them. Block their number. What do you want me to do? Like, yep. yeah. Yeah, and I think I think the Invisible Man remake is one is a great example of one of those success stories. Um, while the technology portion of creating a suit that makes you invisible is kind of a little confusing, yeah. I, I'm I'm a little skeptical there. I'm willing to look past it for the mm-hmm. um, for the plot that it reveals. And plus, who's the main actress? Let Elizabeth me find her name. Elizabeth Yep, Elizabeth Moss. She yeah. played that role expertly. Uh, I'm a big fan of hers. And yeah, she's a great actress. Yep, in that film, I think she did a. I think it was a really good film. Um, like I said, the invisible suit. Eh, but I'm willing to look past it. Another remake that I want to talk about is Chucky. Uh-huh. Um, I'm gonna say uh, I only watched the Chucky movie. I was like really young. Like I was staying over at my aunt's house. She was like watching it, and then she would make us like hide in my cousin's room. So we would like kind of like sneak in. I'm gonna get some water. And she lives in one of those apartments where like the living room is here and the kitchen here, and there's like a little space, so you can kind of like get a cup of water like kind of while you're in the kitchen. Yep. So I've never really like seen the movies fully, but I understand like the plot of Chucky. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so Chucky, the original Child's Play is um some murderer guy mm-hmm. uh i forget what his name is i should know this it begins with an r something um getting killed and he gives a voodoo spell and goes into one of the newly released chucky dolls uh-huh. um someone um someone is looking for a chucky doll for a kid finds one in the back alley um from some guy selling it um gives it to him for his birthday i believe might have been christmas but i'm pretty sure it was his birthday and he turns all murdery mm-hmm. and um doesn't kill too many people but um nonetheless creates a really good movie um in the remake it's reimagined to be like chucky is a walking alexa it's weird oh, so He's instead of being a voodoo spell of someone dying and going into a Chucky doll, hmm. uh, Chucky is instead a walking helper that your child can play with. That can um, this is the remake with Aubrey Plaza, right? Yep, Aubrey oh, Plaza's okay. um, the mother. Uh, so what I feel it's a great movie mm-hmm. if it wasn't a Chucky movie. 
Okay. And I think that's what a lot of new, um, a lot of remakes are kind of failing uh-huh. to do. It's taking an old story that people love, mm-hmm. an old story that many would already deem to be perfect as mm-hmm. it already is, and trying to do something new with it. Um, and that's always dangerous because you can create a work of art, but it's going to be criticized by the film community. Yeah. And I think Chucky is one of those remakes. Um, I think it's fascinating, but um, horror movie remakes are inherently unnecessary but you can sometimes be good yeah i think that if you have an older film that's a horror film and you can retell it for the modern era then you should do it but if you have the right people behind it the depth you know like mm-hmm. i think one movie that i one remake that i did want to talk about was Candyman because mm. i had seen the original movie and i liked the original because it was very scary and it was well done and it was really good mm-hmm. You know, and the remake, I think, did kind of, like, do its best to jump off of where the film left off and mm-hmm. kind of continue the legend of, you know, the Candyman. But um, it did kind of fall short in some ways. Like, if you don't know the film, basically it's about uh, this place in Chicago. I forget the name right now, but there's this woman, Hel- Helen Lyle. She went mm-hmm. to go, she was, like, a grad student. And she went to do research in Cabrini, in Cabrini Park, I believe. And, yeah, there was, like, the legend of the man who would give children candy. And there were razor blades in the candy. And, like, it was a problem for a while. But when a young white child went to go trick-or-treating in Cabrini Green, and the child got, like, a candy with a razor blade in it, then the cops were, like, cracking down and trying to figure out who it was. And the man, they got the wrong guy. And they, like, beat him senseless until he died. And the guy who actually did do it was running around still. But the spirit of the man who was murdered innocently came back and was basically gaining revenge on his community. And Helen was trying to figure out who this guy is and try to stop him. And like da 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 da. Eventually, like homegirl got thrown in the fire. I believe that's what happened. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And well, he died. she went. Well, she didn't get thrown in the fire. She right. he took um one of the residents' children. Yeah. And she went in to try to save him. Yeah. And yeah. So from the jumping off point of that, uh, the newer Candyman directed by Nia DaCosta, who's also going to be directing Captain Marvel two, and mm-hmm. also directed uh Little Woods. I think that's what the movie's called, Little Woods. She's a great actor. I, I, yep, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. great. She's awesome, and Jordan mm-hmm. Peele is uh, the producer. It's done by Monkey Pod Productions, which is his production company. And it the movie starts off with uh, Anthony, who is a struggling artist, whose girlfriend is very well known. You know, it's that thing where, like, oh, it's her boyfriend, so, like, you know, give him a chance or whatever. And basically, they're having dinner with her brother and um, the brother's, like, boyfriend. And the brother decides to tell the story of Helen Lyle, just, like, tells it to be messy, don't know why but he decides to say it i think because like they live in the kind of place where cabrini green used to be yeah but it's just gentrification so they're telling the story he's telling the story blah 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 and then he literally just tells the story and they move on move past it right but anthony there's a seed in his mind he has to know he has to know what's going on who's helen lyle where's cabrini green what is this he goes down to the projects where it's all torn down empty nobody lives there no more and he goes there with a camera like helen lyle did taking a picture he gets stung by a bee he gets a bee sting on his hand and he Mm -hmm. meets a man who's lived in cabrini green for his whole life and they start talking about like what's going on there like the secrets behind it this man anthony becomes obsessed obsessed with it and then like ooh, girl things start happening Mm. like he has a 
he decides to do an art show based on Sabrina Green. And he has all these kind of like pictures and things he's put up. And it's like, it's actually a really nice exhibit. And a woman comes in to sit and she's basically like dismissive of it. She's like, oh, black people talking about black people shit. How nice. Like, it's like that. So it's like, okay, girl, whatever. And it's clear that like people didn't really like what he put together. But I thought it was okay. Like, it was, it was pretty good. It wasn't the best, but it was okay. And then, like, mm-hmm. the night after the show, the night of the show, after everyone leaves, the art director and his, like, little girlfriend, who's, like, probably, like, 19, are visited by the spirit of Candyman. And, like, the killing, there's a lot of things I love about the movie and things I don't like about the movie. The way that these people die, man, y'all can't stop. Like, please, don't do something boring. Don't just, like, you know, slash someone's throat. Like, give me something specific. I don't like it when people do the hand thing, like, when Freddy Krueger do the hand thing through the girl's legs in the mm-hmm. bathtub. Like, that's gross. But, like, yep. it's different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, the thing in the shower... Where the guy's, like, watching her. Like, that's gross. But, like, it's, like, this, one of those shots that you always remember, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's one shot in Candyman in the remake that I love. Where, like, the... Um, Anthony went to go see the art director or, like, the art critic that didn't like his work. And mm-hmm. when he leaves, Candyman is in her apartment. And he, like, hooks her through the back of her neck. And so she's, like, this. And she's, like, rigid. And she is, like, floating up in the air. And the camera is silent. The camera's panning yep. out, watching her die. And then it pans down, and you watch Anthony literally running away from the apartment on the bridge. And it's like, that, that yep. is, that's mine. That's mine right there. Because you, mm-hmm. obviously when you're watching the movie, you know that Anthony is becoming, you know, CM. You know, like, that's Anthony's the baby from the fire, you know. Mm-hmm. And one thing that, like, was interesting was the scene where Anthony looks in the mirror, and he sees him. And I think they got the same actor who used to play CM to be to appear in the film yeah he was in the film yeah so he's like copying him in the mirror and doing like this whole weird thing and there's this one shot where like the woman he's still in the woman's apartment when that happens she comes out of the bathroom she's like what are you doing he turns around he looks back at the mirror it's just he looks back at her and she's like what are you doing and you see Mm. the door is just enough ajar you see cm in the closet in the bathroom he's like and he closes the door he's like no and he runs Yep, it's the Candyman remake. I know a lot of people don't like it. I personally, I really like it. Yeah. I besides the third act, I think the third act could have been longer, mm-hmm. even though it's already been a really long movie. Um, I really feel that the way the whole movie was put together, it really took what Candyman was originally supposed to be and put it into something that really fit. Um, what is currently um, major issues especially in chicago mm-hmm. um so i think for all these actors and by the way all of the art that was featured in the art gallery was from uh black artists in chicago we love that. um so it was fully supportive of the yeah. community which is another thing that i love about uh the movie um i think that the film did its absolute best to be supportive and tell that story and that's why Candy Candyman, uh, like the tagline of the movie is "Say His Name." Mm-hmm. It's in reference to say, say their name. Um, yeah. And I just, I just love the way that this movie is, was clearly made to. It was clearly made to speak to this modern issue of police brutality. Well, mostly just police brutality and um, social injustices against the black community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with that 
goal of the filmmakers in mind, I think they achieved it really well. And I think the Candyman remake, um, while I will always be a fan of the original Candyman, I think that this one is one of those where it's not really a remake, Mm -hmm. but it did its best to uh, follow in its footsteps. Yeah, to kind of like continue this. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I did like how, like, I, the thing, what am I trying to, I think, like, Candyman does a better job of kind of explaining what's going on with the original and kind of, like, showing more of, like, kind of, like, layers to the film. Because a lot of people focus on, like, what's going on with Anthony and how he's kind of, like, becoming CM, but nobody really examines, like, his um, girlfriend who lost her father to, like, you know, he took his own life and he was somebody who was an artist, but he was so, like, into his art and, like, so deep in it that, like, he kind of lost himself in a way and she kept trying to reach him and talk to him but also like she was a child at that time so how would she even like be able to do any of that and her trying to continue on her father's legacy the legacy of a man that she doesn't really know and people seem to know but she can't really relate to him and trying to do it justice but she unfortunately has like this boyfriend that is a lot like her father where he is obsessed with this art and he is obsessed with his work to the point where it is driving him to like a point of like she doesn't recognize him you know when she walks into the room with like all the paintings of all the different disfigured men she is like she's looking around she's like what is going on like she's freaked out and i would be freaked out too because if i saw somebody making paintings of like that over and over again and you're not calling me you're not texting me back you're not eating you don't lay up in bed with me like that's a problem that's a problem we need to discuss but i can't fix that for you and I think that the movie does a great job of like trying to it doesn't really like do this but trying to like interweave interweave how like like generational trauma is real and Mm -hmm. it's passed down in different ways and she wasn't setting out to date somebody like her dad unfortunately she did and that happens sometimes with like when you think of the things that happened to you in your past like not in your past life but in the past lives of those you know and those have come before you and how that can still attach to you if those same things are still happening today even though you feel like it's the future it's the modern age you shouldn't be worrying about this shit anymore we still are babe like it's still happening it's still Mm -hmm. going on and like how like it's also a small conversation about like mental health and in the black community Mm -hmm. and how it's not talked about or discussed and like how like she could have very easily taken anthony to go see somebody and like he got checked into a hospital at one point but they didn't do nothing about what was going on with his arm like his arm was literally dying and decaying like he has like this he has this huge thing on his hand for like half the movie and like i don't know if she didn't see it or if she needs glasses but like i saw that and i was like this is disgusting like this is wrong weird and i think that the Candyman remake needs a sequel like out of any out of any horror remake that should be the one that gets a sequel because mm. there is so much more that can be explored and talked about and i know nia DaCosta has cancer marvel coming up but when that's over babe screenplay like let's get into the writing room let's start mm-hmm. brainstorming ideas because that elevator scene i love that scene that that mm. I love the elevator scene because the second he got up and the people were looking at him, they're like, "Is he okay?" But mm. when he, the, he jumped through the ceiling and tried to get, I was so I was in it. I was like, "This is good." I like because mm-hmm. like I don't like watching horror movies and it's like forty minutes of nothing, like nothing happens. I need suspense. Yep. I need you to try to keep me engaged, and I was I was very yep. much engaged, very much so. Yes, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, like you said. uh I think you just said all of that perfectly. Um, I don't know if I have anything else that I can add to that, but I think 
just to like overall conclude on that sub uh, on Candyman, mm-hmm. um, I think there were I just think there were a lot of shots in it that stood out. Um, and in terms of a sequel to it, I think it could benefit too, um, yeah. because there are a lot of alleys that can be explored um, with how they left off. Um, and especially because issues are only growing, uh, it can't be like, this is happening, stop. So yeah. there's a lot more to explore. And I, I also love, like, there was one shot where Anthony was in the bathroom, and he was just, like, looking at the sink, and his girlfriend comes in, and she's like, oh, are you okay? He's like, oh, I had a bad dream. She's like, oh, yeah, me too. What was your dream about? He's like, what? Your dream. And he's like, uh... Uh, and he like slowly closes the door but when he mm-hmm. moves away from the door his reflection doesn't move it's like showing him his disconnect to himself and his reality I thought that I was like ah I love that I caught that in the movie theater too because it's one of those little things you see in those YouTube videos that they make on those those yeah the fact that like, I caught that I was like I'm a cinephile like y'all yeah, can't like, tell me nothing like Chris top got 10 some things food. you missed in Candyman <laughs> these little <laughs> easter eggs you didn't catch in Candyman <laughs> And I think it would be better if the sequel would benefit because you don't have to retell the story. Like, you don't mm-hmm. have to re-explain who Helen Lyle is. We already know, so we can just go off from where we started. Yep, yeah. And yeah. The, the, that's the thing. I think a lot of... So, I, I won't get too much into it, but um, with my horror movie that I'm writing, but a lot of these remakes try too hard to explain the story that you already know. Uh, and going back to the Rob Zombie Halloween remake, mm-hmm. it added, I think it was like 40 minutes to an hour of just Michael Myers' backstory Mm-mm. that we didn't really need and no one really cared about. Yeah. And especially after he made his second Halloween to Rob Zombie, he was done, nobody cared about him, and we jumped to Halloween 2018, where it throws all of that to the curb. Yeah. And, and I think... That's the dangerous thing. So, like, Halloween 2018. It's not a remake. It's kind of like Candyman, where Mm -hmm. it's following suit from the original um, years, 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 and years later. Um, And it's... I think it was the second highest grossing Halloween movie uh, in the box office. Mm -hmm. It's either second or third. Um, I'm not sure where H20 or Halloween 2 plays. Um, But it's definitely one of the top ones after the original Halloween. And um, just the story and recapturing... I think what a horror movie remake needs to succeed is to capture the vibe of the original uh, and also make it something new. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Scream 4, because I'm a, I'm a Scream expert, if anything. Um, Scream 4 is... Every Scream movie talks about some uh, class of horror movies. Scream talks about horror movies in general. Scream 2 talks about remakes. Or, no, Scream 2 talks about sequels. Um, Scream 3 talks about horror movie trilogies. And Scream 4 talks about horror movie remakes, which is why it came back ten years later when everyone was starting to do remakes. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the last few lines, spoiler alert, Sydney survives. She's coming back in the new Scream movie. Um, one of her last lines is, the number one rules of horror... Or, you forgot the number one rule of horror movie remakes don't fuck with the original. Right. And that's really what you gotta do. Like, Nightmare on Elm Street remake, 
absolutely fucked with the original. Terrible movie. Terrible. Um, but sometimes you don't really need a remake. You just leave it as it is. Yeah. Yep. Like from watching the Nightmare on Elm Street remake compared to the original, what more was gained? Mm. Uh, the Friday the Thirteenth remake. The same question can be asked. It was a better movie in my opinion than the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, but. What did you gain? The Halloween, uh, Rob Zombie, what did you gain? Yeah. And it's why a lot of these um, remakes have failed in the viewer's eyes. Because um, everyone's like, oh, we're getting a remake, cool. Mm-hmm. And then after you watch it, you're like, well, crap. <laughs> and you're also trying to capitalize off of nostalgia, but nothing's going to beat the first feeling you had. When you first watched those movies and you were like really, truly scared, like... When you first, like, found out, like, you were watching all these, like, older films. Like, when I first saw Candyman open up his freaking coat and see the bees in that chest, I'm not going to forget that feeling. Yeah, yeah, you're like, whoa. Yeah, like, that's horrifying. Like, that's scary. And especially especially another important aspect of any uh, horror movie is the score that you have with it. Mm -hmm. The original Candyman had a score that with every scene that's memorable, you will also remember the score. And I think that's also why Halloween uh, succeeded. You know, do-do-do-do. Like, you can... If you can think, hear the music, you've done well. Mm -hmm. um, Because... Candyman had a great score. Yeah. And that B scene, everything about it. And memorable. Halloween, like, I like the 2018 version, but 20, like, the newer one, it also got spoiled with the trailer. You know? It did. Yeah. I, I don't like when that happens. I don't like yeah. when, like, I know the movie trailer is supposed to tell us, show us what's going to happen in the movie. I don't need the whole movie in 20, in like two minutes and 30 seconds. Yep. Yeah. I, I don't want to know nothing except the fact that my, Michael is still alive. And we're coming for him. Like, that's it. Yeah. Like, Halloween Kills <laughs> could have been not a movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to put it kindly. Yeah. Um, I yep. was reading reviews on it, and the, num- or the number one review that I saw was, uh, it's a Halloween movie, and the only thing that's evolved is it's kill, num- kill count, kill numbers, yeah. whatever, death. Um, and I'm like, yeah, that's pretty true, because yeah. now... We're going to get Halloween 3, whatever they call it. Um, it's I called believe... Halloween Ends. Halloween Ends. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, Which is like a good title, but also like, is it going to be yeah. a good movie? Yep, so we're going to get that, and we'll see. Will Halloween end? I what know. I will say, I... and I don't mean to spoil anything when I say this. Um, I mean, you can when... spoil it. We spoil stuff all the time. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Halloween H20, when it came out, uh, and originally John Carpenter and Deborah Hill were on the movie, mm-hmm. and then they both stepped out. Um, so it was really left to Jamie Lee Curtis mm-hmm. and uh, the grandfather of Halloween, Mustafa Akkad, um, had a clause in the contract that Jamie Lee Curtis didn't know. So she said in Halloween H20, we're going to kill Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. Um, this will be, he's going to die. Um, I want... I want to decapitate him. And so they started to give scripts. She told that to the writers, and they started to give scripts to her, and he didn't die. Or he died, but it was something that he could easily come back from. And he was like, no, I." she was like, I need to decapitate him. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the writers said, well, we can't do that because Mustafa Akkad said that we can't kill Michael Myers in this movie. Um 
So that's why you have Halloween Resurrection, which features Jamie Lee Curtis dying like in the first ten minutes because she killed the wrong person. She decapitates Michael Myers in H20, mm-hmm. but it's not Michael Myers. It's someone that Michael put his mask on top of, and she goes to an insane asylum. It's something weird, but she, Jamie Lee Curtis, has wanted to do nothing but kill Michael Myers, um, and she, being in the new movies and giving, having a lot of control over them, uh, I don't know if she's executive producer, but um, she has a lot of control over this movie, or this trilogy, so I think we're going to see Michael die, but I don't know. Interesting. Um, That's my opinion. I don't like that they kind of like did this thing where it's like, every time Michael kills, he gets stronger. It's like, nope, nope, I don't think so. He's a normal yeah. person. He's yep. a man. Yep. He is simply a man. Y'all are trying yeah. to bring in the supernatural stuff, and I'm not waiting. Oh. And when, so Halloween 1 and 2 great halloween 3 what the fuck mm-hmm. am i allowed to swear yeah um okay what the fuck is this <laughs> right. okay it's a movie um it's not a michael myers movie right and then you get four five and six and you're like what am i watching mm. some some so now michael's a voodoo man with a a spell cast on him. Like, now yeah. you're just getting into territory that's... Give me a break. Y'all keep pulling voodoo in this, like, please, play people. Yeah. Let go. Leave uh, it alone. Was, it was a big thing with 80s and 90s, yeah. 80s and 90s horror. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. you try to give some natural explanation about why someone is superhuman. Yeah. I know, let's do voodoo. Let's do something, like, okay. just, like, not from here. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, we gotta make this something scary. Like, yeah, no, I'm not scared. Let's spooky scary time. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's do something yeah. different. Let's shock the yeah. girls. Let's scare them. And that's why... So that's why Halloween 6, you have that voodoo-ness, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then afterwards, Scream comes out, which completely redefines the franchise and puts it into... Um, puts horror into normality, mm-hmm. reality... And then right after that, you have Halloween H20 come out, which takes right from Scream and follows suit. Yeah. Um, so. I do have to yeah. say, I, I was never really, like, I did like watching the Scream movies. I think that they were, like, really good at trying to, like, learn and study horror. I think mm-hmm. that the Scream movies are awesome. Um, not a huge fan. I think it was, like, Scream 2 or Scream T or Scream 3, where, like, Omar Epps and, like, Jada Pickett-Smith die in the first ten minutes. That's like, uh, Scream 2. Okay, Scream 2. Yeah. yeah. When they, like... So- that was... I hated that scene. That scene... Listen, the thing about that scene that is crazy to me was when she's literally in the movie theater and she's, like, holding her guts in and she's uh-huh. looking at a crowd of people with the mask on and she cannot tell who is normal and who's the person who did it. And that yep. is horrifying to me. That scene? Yep. Man, I'll never forget that. Yeah, that was... Scream 2 isn't by any means a claim to be better. Mm-hmm. It follows suit because Drew Barrymore was the first death in Scream. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Um, well, second, technically. Mm-hmm. Or third, technically. Um, but she was supposed to be, like, the main character and, um, of course, that she died and went to Nev Campbell, Sidney Prescott. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second movie, the third movie, and the kind of the fourth all follow the tradition of we gotta get an actor or an actress in that's famous, kill them off, mm-hmm. move on. Right. Um, and Jada Pickett. 
uh, I don't think she was married then. No, um, but she Jada was pretty Pinkett popular Smith. back then. Yeah, she, that, yeah. she was very popular. So they kill her off. That opening scene is amazing. Yeah. Um, and that's there's a couple scenes in Scream 2 that I despised. Um, not despised, that's a strong word. There's like a singing scene, and mm-hmm. then there's like a um, act pl- being played out. I don't know. It's a good movie. Scream 3 is the one that I don't like. Hmm. It's the one that Kevin Williamson didn't write. You got someone checking their pulse to make sure they're, or to check to see if they're dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, oh my god, they're dead. But they're not. Yeah. Um, a voice changer that can store voices. Anyway, yeah. It loses the reality aspect um, a little bit. But then we have Scream 4. That's good. So yeah, I'll I... shut up about Scream now. But... <laughs> no, it's great. And I think that, like, with horror films, a lot of times, I do think people should go back and rewatch older horror movies to just be inspired by certain things. Because even though a movie could, like, just be trash, there are some little nuances or, like, dialogues or, like, there are, like, certain things in the film that you can, like, kind of pull for your own movie. You know, mm-hmm. like, I love scary movies. Like, I love that. I love it. It's so funny. It's so stupid. I think it's the first scary movie with Regina Hall in it and Anna Faris. Anna Faris. Yeah. Yep. Anna Faris is hilarious. And people do not talk about that enough. She is hilarious. She is funny. Like, she is so good. She's so talented. I think she plays Cindy Campbell is her name. Uh, Also, Regina Hall. Regina Hall, Mm -hmm. I love you. I I would, girl, I would push a boulder up a rock. I would push a boulder up a mountain for, like, I love her so much. And that scene with her where she's, like, that scene that's been done to death on TikTok, like, to death, just shows, like, the how iconic that scene is. And, like, yep. I wouldn't want anyone to, like, copy it, but there's something so funny and so perfect about that scene that could only be done in Scary Movie and could still have, like, that kind of, like, impact on it, you know? And, yep. you know, some movies are bad because they're just bad, but some movies have good things in them. Yep. I think, um, and, yeah, what were you going to say? Uh, I was just going to say Shannon Elizabeth was also in a uh, scary movie. Yeah, that was one of those movies I watched when I was too young to be able to watch. Yep. <laughs> I uh, should not have watched that movie. But Regina Hall, Regina Hall's uh, death scene oh, is so iconic. Yeah, she truly is but, amazing. Mm-hmm. And then I think I think she's also in um she in all the scary movies. I know she's in two. I'm gonna have to look this up. Also, there's like superhero movie now. Excuse me. Uh, I don't want to talk about. There are those movies that used to be made that were just bad on purpose. Oh, she was in all of them. Okay. Yeah. I one thing I do love about Regina Hall was that she did an interview for the Breakfast Club once, and mm-hmm. they the Breakfast Club is known for being messy because Charlemagne is just messy. But mm-hmm. um, she was asked a question where basically it's like, oh what movies do you like making better uh white people movies or black people movies and she was like it doesn't matter the, je- the check comes the same and i was like nope. that's the right that is the right answer because yep. regina hall is never she is booked and busy you know yep. and like she does her job each and every time and she does it flawless that's what i love mm. about her and she was great in girls trip and she deserved she deserved listen to me she deserved a zach sag award for girls trip but she wasn't given one because for some reason, you can give Bridesmaids an Oscar, but you can't give Girls Trip a Golden Globe. Oh, now explain me, explain that to me, film industry. Explain that to me, huh? You can't. That's the thing. That's the thing. The film industry with awards seems to be very rigged. Mm. Um, yeah. Like, and I know that's a dangerous thing to say, 
But, but you should they, say it. Yeah. <laughs> they, they pick and choose um, who they want to, like, broadcast or mm-hmm. highlight. And I don't know. I don't... I, I never trust it. I never am interested. And now when I'm a famous screenwriter and producer, <laughs> and this clip resurfaces, well, crap. Um, I mean, you should just stand by trust. it, you know. Yeah. That could my be little thing. Golden Globe. Yeah. That won't be right here in my hands. Mm-hmm. And like The Invisible Man, it was a great movie, but it wasn't. It was snubbed at like in every way. That's that's another thing to talk about, and I think you brought it up in your intro. Is <laughs> horror movies in um, awards don't typically do too well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because not a lot of people... Horror isn't the most popular genre. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very popular genre. Yeah. Um, very, very popular. But Screen Actors Guild and um, Glo- Golden Globes often seem to kind of ignore it. They don't take it seriously. They don't take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, like, I get it. If you're going to have this weird voodoo stuff, by all means, it doesn't deserve Right. Fine. Like, if you're gonna do voodoo dolls, like yeah, no one's gonna take you serious. Yeah, but like, no but yeah, especially with a lot of these newer horror movies that actually tell climactic stories that have heavy relations to society that the viewer can connect to and mm-hmm. think about. That's really if movies are supposed to be a work of art, they're supposed to be interpretive. You're supposed to be thinking about it afterwards, and horror movies are supposed to do that. Um, Whether a lot of the new ones do that is another question, but those that do succeed in doing so, like Get Out, um, certainly deserve the attention. I believe Get Out got the attention it deserved. Yeah, like Jordan Peele was the first black to win, I think, original screenplay, an Oscar for original play, which is Mm -hmm. a feat in itself that he should be absolutely proud of. And that's mm-hmm. wonderful, and that's great. I'm not happy about Daniel Kaluuya being snubbed at every single turn, because for some reason, um, I don't know who the man was that played that Winston Churchill biopic, but I know you bought all your awards, sir, and I'm not going to forget it, all right? Mm-hmm. Take it away, my king, Golden Statues, please. Wait, are Golden Globes for, that's for film, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's I film, have to look that up. It's film and television, I believe. Yep. Um. So Get Out got an Academy Award. Mm-hmm. Did it get any? I don't even. It doesn't even look like they got. Oh yeah. Uh, original screenplay to Jordan Peele. Yeah. Um, at the Academy Award, and it didn't even get any other nomination. Yeah, I mean. Oh, got it for Col- Screen Actors Guild, but didn't for like Golden Globes or anything. And also, Daniel Kaluuya, he was nominated for like um Best Actor and all actor the way in the through. Leading role. Yep. All the way through, but he never won one of them because whoever was playing that Winston Churchill biopic won each one of them. Yep. Like, sir, you don't, you're not a good actor. You beat your wife with a phone one time, all right, please. Like, mm-hmm. Kick rocks, all right? But that's the thing yep. about, like, horror movies. People just see it as, like, popcorn flick. But you yep. can use horror films as an amazing tool to tell the story about things that you don't talk about in film and in media and it can be something just like so like interesting and it can it can be something like an interesting mm-hmm. like get out or Candyman or the invisible man or whatever or it can just simply be a horror movie that defies the genre that it's in mm-hmm. like you know midsummer or like midsummer is a pretty good horror movie and it was the first horror movie i watched that i didn't see it as a horror f- you know because mm-hmm. it doesn't really like it doesn't feel like a horror movie and when i watched the movie and i started talking to people about it they're like yeah i liked it but it was boring or like they found it confusing or they didn't understand mm-hmm. what's going on and i was like 
I don't understand where y'all don't get like what's going on about this movie. One of my favorite shots in the film is when Danny starts having a Hi. panic attack because um the guy who's like the foreign exchange shirt or whatever he's talking to her about like the festival that they're gonna do whatever it is and he's talking to her and he's like i'm so sorry about your parents passing and she has a panic attack to where like she tries to go to the bathroom and it's an overhead shot of where like she opens the door to the bathroom she closes it she's on the plane and i'm like this is good this is so good this is perfect like those little things i love another thing about that film it's all in broad daylight it's so light it's so sunny it's so picture perfect and like flower crowns and all this like you know very much coachella kind of stuff and it's not you know a happy movie it's very much it's very bad like we are in the yeah, bad place that's a good point to think about is a lot of horror movies think that you have to do things in the dark mm-hmm. and uh you might hear my dad in the background calling my cat sorry about that that's fine um sorry my cat um uh horror movies think that they're supposed to be in the dark mm-hmm. um and that's one thing to note with scream is that all sorry for going to scream again okay. um and halloween halloween is this entire day and the killing well there's killing at the beginning you just don't see it on screen only like the true killing happens at night um evil dead nothing strange starts to happen until it's at night and once the day comes it's like ah we're all good again uh scream there's only really ever kills at night except for um principal hembry but um that is a very interesting thing to note because um you can do horror in the day Mm -hmm. it might be harder but i don't know And there are other horror films that aren't exactly, like, horror. I've also seen a horror... I didn't really think it was a horror movie when I watched it, but I saw this movie called The Killing of a Sacred Deer, and I... It's directed by um, Yorgos Lanthimos, and it's a movie... It's a psychological horror, and it's a film about this man who is a doctor, and there's this young kid who's, like, following him around and wants to be like him and, like, copy him and everything like that. And there's something about the way Yorgos writes film where it's so stoic and like the way people talk is like deadpan but it's still like funny sometimes and it's so scary and it's like the Mm -hmm. affliction within the actors voices like he picks such amazing people to play in this film like if you don't know who Yorgos Lanthimos is he's also done The Favorite and he's also done uh another movie with Colin Farrell um gosh I forget what that movie is but it's a really good film it was actually really really good I'm gonna look that up real quick but The Killing of the Sacred Deer is about uh, a man, he's like a surgeon, and he finishes open heart surgery, and basically, um, I think something went wrong with this kid, like his kid's dad passed away, and so he blames the dad of his girlfriend, but not really his girlfriend, so he tells that he's putting a curse on their family, and they're like, you know, some at some point you'll have a headache, and at some point you can't move your feet, and then you can't move your arms, and then you'll slowly deteriorate, and it's like this sinking feeling, this scary thing that keeps like eating away at the family slowly and slowly and the movie is like it's a slow burn but once you're watching what's happening you're just really like you're watching and you're like oh my gosh this person like this guy there's something else going on with this kid like sir Mm -hmm. i don't know what's going on with you and i don't know what kind of book you found in the middle of the woods and then you started reading but this is twisted and also the actor who plays the weird kid he's in the eternals i think it's like his name's barry oh okay yeah and Colin Farrell and Nicole Kidman, they're in it. It's such a good movie. And, like, if you like a movie that's, like, a slow burn, 
you should definitely go watch it. I also love Colin Farrell just like to death. The Lobster, that's what the movie he was in. He was in The Lobster, which was a black comedy where like, um, if you're not married, you have to go to a retreat and start dating someone and get married. And if you don't get married or date somebody, you will turn into an animal. Like, yeah. Really? Yeah. It's an interesting, oh. it's a very interesting movie. And like, you should definitely watch The Lobster if you guys haven't. Yorgos Lanthimos is an amazing film director and writer, and he has some very uh, interesting uh, concepts, you can say, I guess, you know? Sorry, I have a cat on my lap. No, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> if you ever okay. see me, like, trying to handle a cat. Um, That's perfectly I fine. I don't know why you mentioning that um, reminded me of this one movie. It's called The Hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, it's... It's a really interesting story where a bunch of wealthy elite um, Democrat... Oh, there's my cat. Um, a bunch of wealthy elite Democrats kidnap Republicans um, that have said things online. I forget uh-huh. exactly. Um, but they drop them off and uh, let them out of a cage. And it's basically a free-for-all. Um, the main protagonist ends up killing all of the um, wealthy elites because she wasn't really... She wasn't the person that they thought she was, uh-huh. um, but it's a really interesting movie where you're, like, trying to figure out, because it's a lot about trust, uh-huh. and it's a lot about current political debates are trusting the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the main actress, she's, like, a badass bitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely amazing at what she does. Um, and especially, her acting was great. But, um, whatever, mm-hmm. it, it was a great movie. No, keep I going. Keep talking about the film. Sorry, I feel like I cut you off while you're talking. No, no. Well, the the final fight scene, it's really interesting because it's not like you're supposed to be scared of anyone or anything. I guess it's, that would make it more of a thriller. Mm-hmm. And the final fight scene is itself, like, it's not a superhuman at the end. It's the group of the, or it's the leader of the elites who have created the hunt. Um, and it's just really, really, I, I don't know how to put it into words, but it's a good film and mm-hmm. you should watch it if you haven't. Because um, that's also going off of um, how we're talking about horror films being something new and based in reality. Sorry, the, uh, that that film just came to the top no. of my head. That's awesome, and like I I remember when that movie they kind of pulled it out of the box office because there was really like a school shooting that happened. Yeah, so yeah. They didn't want people to watch it, but then they released it again, and it did pretty well at the box office, I think. But um, it reminds. I think it was me... at the start of COVID. Yeah, 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 yep. yeah. I think it also reminds me of um the film The Oath that mm. was starring Tiffany Haddish and Ike Barinholt. Ike Barinholt was, like directed the movie. And Ike Barinholtz was having like kind of like a heyday a little bit in like comedy because he was like a he's a pretty funny guy. Like he's a mm-hmm. funny funny, interesting guy. He's a really good actor. And so basically the movie was about how um the movie was around Thanksgiving and how Ike Barinholtz is dating Tiffany Haddish and there's an oath that people have to sign in America and it's like talking about like 
oh, don't go to Thanksgiving with your family. Like, oh my gosh, we're going to talk about politics. Like, it's that kind of movie. But it was also like a black comedy. So it's not really like horror. But those kind of films, I guess, like, I kind of stay away from a bit. Where it's like movies where like, ooh, let's have two different opposing sides. Try and mm-hmm. see if they can relate and, you know, trust each other. Like, come together mm-hmm. as one. And like, at the end of the day, okay, yeah, sure. But like, at the same time, like, I've lived my whole life as like a black person so every single time I have to talk to a white person that doesn't like understand kind of understand they want to turn everything into like an argument and a debate and I'm not yep. gonna do that in a horror film like you want me to try and make you understand why I should be treated as a person so that you don't stab me in the in the chest you might as well just do it because I'm not gonna debate you like you don't yep. believe me anyways you know what I mean yeah. but I do love those kind of because it is important to not just make horror movies for making horror movies like there are some horror movies I like that are just horror movies like it's just scary you know like hereditary is weird if you've seen hereditary you know what I'm talking about it's a horror film it's not like an underlying message it's just a horror film and I like that about yep. it like Midsommar yeah, and... or Happy Death Day. I love Happy Death Day. Happy I Death Day that. is an interesting one. Um, <laughs> I, and that's what I think a lot of people... Um, well, I guess I shouldn't say that. But horror um, movies aren't just supposed to like make you scared. I know uh-huh. I've brought that up. Uh-huh. It's supposed to be a fun a fun time mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Maybe you learn something. Maybe you don't. That doesn't have to be the film's intention. But at the end of the day, it's a movie. It's going into the box office, and its purpose is to entertain. And yeah. or it's going onto Netflix or whatever. Right. Um. And that's why Stranger Things succeeds. Mm-hmm. Um. I have not seen Stranger Things. I know. I've I only was. seen season one and two. I haven't watched the rest. Yeah. I. I. It's something that I want to watch but also haven't found the time to do it um, if you ever do watch it let me know and then we could like do a thing where like we keep each other like you know like, and, yeah. yeah 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 and i i just i i think that's the best thing to know set oh, horror movies are just movies it's like yeah. any comedy it's like any rom-com like any superhero movie it's just got a fear element to it a fear factor and some people don't like that some people do but it's still film that's great I kind of relate, I relate to that, like, I, as someone, I don't, okay, like, I've, my, all my life, I've tried to watch films that have people who look like me in it, so, to a certain point, there have been a lot of TV shows and movies coming out, where, like, oh my gosh, look, like, a black cast, but, like, if episode one, I have to hear about your dad that got shot by the, I'm not watching the rest of the show, I'm over it, y'all keep mm. talking about this, y'all keep bringing it up, I'm over it, I'm not talking about it somewhere, I understand why, I know what police brutality looks like. I know what it is. I know what racism. You don't have to explain it to me. So this show mm-hmm. is not for me. So I'm not going to watch it. And yeah. I'm okay with horror films trying to have a kind of message or, you know, not trying to be like after school special, but truly trying to take something or a topic that people do not talk about and implement in the horror genre so that it is like examined and it is like kind of like drawn out. And we look at the intricacies of it, like the invisible man. Like a lot of times people don't talk about like, domestic disputes and violence and how like even happy couples can have problems and if a man to the point if there's a man which to the point he will put on a suit that makes him invisible to stalk and scare and terrorize his girlfriend there's something wrong with him and we don't talk about that how men could be in happy relationships and they will just like mess it up because like there's something going on with you sir and they'll act mm-hmm. all normal in real life and they'll seem fine being like everyday happy people it's like normal 
fine. And then you hear, you talk to their wives, and it's like, no, he was a horrible thing. I hate it. He was terrible. Mm-hmm. He was drinking too much, and he didn't love me too dumb all the time. Like, that happens. And, you know, you can want horror films that are just to scare you and entertain you, and you could want horror films that have a message, but if you're trying too hard with your message, I don't want it. Mm-hmm. If you're trying too hard... Like, you don't have to beat me over the yep. head and telling me that racism is bad. I get, I get yep. it. So you don't have to tell me. Like, a horror movie I watched recently is called Ready or Not. And I think it's a lot similar to, like, Knives Out, which I mm. love both of those movies so much. Like, if you haven't seen Knives Out, it's about this young girl. She's a maid. And, like, um, an older man she's taken care of passes away. And so the family's trying to figure out who killed him and how he died. And she's, like, a nurse. And they found out that he left the whole estate to her. So it's this whole thing of like, oh, we're going to take care of you. We're going to be there for you. And they find out that she has the whole estate left to her. So they quickly turn on her. And like they threaten to like deport her and her family and all this stuff that happens to her. And then Ready or Not is, oh my gosh, this movie is insidious. It's a movie about a man. Um, he gets married. And the night of his wedding, the family sits down to have a card game, right? And I think they spin a wheel or something to figure out what card game they're playing. And then they pick the game. Like, they don't spin a wheel. She pulls a card out of the thing or something. And it's like, ooh, magical box, ooh. And it's like, oh, we're going to play hide and seek. So she has to hide and they're going to find her. And she thinks this is a game. And to them, it's a different kind of game. And it's a thing of like, rich people are bad. Rich people are bad and they'll do whatever they can to save rich. We know this. But both movies have the same message, they just tell it in different ways. And I like yep. both of them. And I love Ready or Not. Because Adam, Adam Brody, Adam Brody, I love you. Adam Brody. Hollywood, they did you dirty, sir. They did. They did you dirty, okay? And I want you to come back. I love you, King. And they also did similar with The Purge. Mm-hmm. Um, the Purge being a franchise where, you know, once per year, mm-hmm. everyone gets all their murderous tendencies out of the way mm-hmm. because that way cr- crime is for the rest of the year at all-time lows and the economy flourishes. I don't Some believe that. Stuff. I don't. That's not what would happen. At that all. would not work. Um, but for imagine if that was whatever. Uh, it's a franchise where the poor are kind of expendable. Yeah. Um, and it's purposeful. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget which movie it was, but someone directly says like the purge is a way for all of the poor people to die. Um, to eliminate the poor class really really mm-hmm. so while all the rich live in their secure homes with um security alarms and uh extra locks and mm-hmm. whatever they all watch as um the poor die or they kill the poor um and it really gets into that um they have like a class really, issue. they also have like a really good cast in the first one mm. like even the first, the first one was fine and then it really just in my opinion yeah it's one of those Um, things where like a franchise is not a good idea yeah yep like it worked once but in order to do a horror movie franchise you have to um you have to have something a kill a killer or a series of killers that uh support like a common interest Mm -hmm. which is which the purge kind of does but also you need to have watchability so you're not telling the same story over mm-hmm. 20 billion times and that's what the purge kind of does because you get it it's just different purge nights different perspectives it's like okay we get it people are gonna die yay so. <laughs> like people are gonna die oops oh well oh well yeah 
yeah, and no like one... fancy deaths too. Oh, it's also one of those movies where like people get to like you know try to put themselves in those shoes and be like, what would happen if I wasn't like, girl, shut up, girl, yep. please don't do that. Yeah, and especially our government is not going to institute a purge, so that's nothing to scare me about. At least I hope our government uh, does not institute a purge. Um, I mean, they won't give us free vaccines, or free masks, or a lockdown, or any kind of clear-cut conscious as to what the frick is going on with this pandemic, so. Yeah. Maybe I, not an well, outright purge. I saw something earlier that said it'd take $7 billion to, uh, I forget if it was to vaccinate the entire U.S. or to vaccinate the entire world, uh, but someone was like, hmm, where are we going to get that money? And then From the military picture, budget. Yeah, posted a picture of a $768 billion military um, decision that happened. I don't know. Um, they also said that we only need to quarantine for five days now. Mm-hmm. Wait, what? Yeah, the CDC said it. The CDC said it off of the influence of an airline company, I believe, that now we only need to quarantine for five days. Uh, um... Yeah. I'm I'm going to keep my 14 days. Thank you very much. Yeah. Y'all ain't going to see me for two weeks. All right, yep. y'all. I'm double masked up, by the way, and I'm triple mm-hmm. back. But yep. if I happen to catch it, you're not going to see me for two yeah, weeks. Yeah, I'm, tri- I'm triple vaxxed. Like, oh, where? Don't going to catch I, me out here. No. I would... Oh, my God. I think... <laughs> <Mad>. <laughs> Anyone who does five days out there, I'm not a COVID expert. I'm here to talk about horror movies, but, like, right. make sure you're, like, if you have it, if you are going to go after five days, make sure you get, like, two negative tests. Not at-home tests. Regular tests. If you want to do an at-home test, can I? Yeah, I would, those are fine, too, but... Yeah. I wouldn't mind someone sending... I wouldn't mind getting a free at-home test from the government, you know? Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, it'd be nice if you guys pay. cared about us, you know, yep. enough to take care of us. You know what I mean? As mm-hmm. we are the working force, we do run this country. Hello. So true. Yeah, it's not like Jeff Bezos has a... Uh, a freaking uh, trillionaire. He's got a net worth capable of... Um, Ending child Providing... Yeah, and providing a living wage to over 3 million Americans. One man has 3 million Americans' living wages. So, when we go and we find Jeff Bezos, should I bring Sriracha? Or, like... (laughs) Sriracha party. (laughs) Should, like, y'all get his arms, I'll get his legs. You know what I mean? I'm joking! Switch is owned by Amazon, I'm kidding! (laughs) I just want, like, two grand, that's all. Or ten. Or, like, a million dollars. Since that or a million. <laughs> True. Or, you know, you could put it in cryptocurrency, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's another thing. I think he could give a million dollars to, like, what is it, 300,000 people? Listen, sir, if you give me a million dollar NFT and it's just, like, a dolphin or, like, Clippy, the, the paperclip that we used to see on the old Microsoft computers, I will shut up. I will yep. shut up and never talk about you again. I promise. Mm-hmm. Same. Just let me know. Uh, Just let me know. What a world. What a world we live in, you know? I know. Michael, I'm going to need you to restart this uh, neighborhood, because the one that you built right now, it's not working out for me. Sorry. Have you ever watched The Good Place? No. Okay, so you didn't that. get that joke. No. <laughs> you didn't get I that. I heard Michael, and I was like, Michael Bezos. Is no, that no, no, it? No, 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 does Elon Musk need yeah. another sad girlfriend? Because like, I'll, <laughs> I'll chase away, I'll chase away Azalea. I will. Like, if you're scared of her, I can get rid of her. I know how to. Listen. Hey, all I want is a Tesla. Well, no, I could care less for a Tesla. My car's Tesla. got heated seats. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't really want a Tesla. The way people like 
will die over a Tesla is like it's weird. It's embarrassing. Yeah. The amount of friends like, I had that kept sharing that stupid picture David Dobrik posted, like, she has a picture in your story, get a Tesla. If y'all don't stop bothering me with this stupid see, picture. I don't know if you saw, but Mr. Beast had to, someone oh. had to park, like, a Mustang between two tightly parked, no, it wasn't a Mustang. It was like a Maserati, some 80, 100, 80,000, 100,000 dollar car. Had to park it in between two Teslas without banging into it. And of course, the lady banged into a Tesla, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, you don't get the, you don't get the car." I'm like, "Who just has the money to have two Teslas and a Maserati or whatever it was and play parking?" Like, I have a serious question: Who is Mr. Beast? Like, Mr. Beast is um, he's the guy that gives away a bunch of money to people online. He's like, I first person or last person to have their hand on the car gets to keep the car. That guy. Um, I guess like, Minecraft creation gets what they built is one thing he did. He also spent like three days in a prison. Oh yeah, let's just go to prison for fun. Ooh, quirky, yeah. fun. Oh, let's go work at a day job for fun. Let's work at McDonald's for fun. Ooh, we're mm-hmm. the Ace family. We're gonna work in a pizza shop like poor people do. I'm Gabby mm-hmm. Hanna. I'm gonna work at an old pizza shop and annoy all of my freaking co-workers that didn't like me then <sighs> and don't like me now. Ooh, Gabby Hanna. I'm gonna pretend that... that I live off a dollar a day when I'm a celebrity and I can get everything for free. Y'all make yep. me sick. Gabby I'm Hanna tired. is a horror movie. There we go. Talk we... about that. <laughs> Gabby <laughs> Hanna is like one of the worst horror fil- horror villains ever because she creates her own problems and then she tries to pretend she's a victim. I don't like... know if she saw the Joey Graceffa stuff. Yeah. With her. I was like, what's going on? What is you going have, on? So you had so many people come out and say, yeah, Gabby Hanna was an absolute asshole on yeah. set. And um, then she's like, well, I think, what'd she say? I have ADHD? Was that yeah. her excuse? Yeah. I was like, uh... No, no. Because, um, like, Colleen was pregnant on set. And she was fine. Yeah, she was fine. You were upset over, like, stupid little things that didn't really matter, you know? I think she was pregnant and then... Or she had just had her baby. I think she was going home and breastfeeding, Mm -hmm. going to sleep, and then Mm -hmm. coming back early in the morning. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, but... I have to tell you, I used to be a Gabby Hanna fan, and, like, that was was a mistake. That was a mistake. Like, I saw it... Well, I... I used to be a Shane Dawson and um, Jeffrey Star fan. Matt! Jeffrey Star. Oh, Why? not anymore. Why did well, you ever like him though? Did you like makeup? I like. Well, he did a lot of like fun videos, and yeah, I liked how he like talked, and uh, I liked the conspiracy theories from Shane. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I found out about then I found out about Jeffrey's past, mm-hmm. and I was like. I was like, okay, this is very problematic. Mm-hmm. And then I watched Shane Dawson's documentary with him, of him being like, how he's learned from his mistakes. It's like, okay, I, I don't know how to feel. Mm-hmm. And then everything just came out, and I was like, yeah. trash it, trash it. Um, I don't like So it was, a, because I found Jeffree Star before I knew anything about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just went downhill right. uh, i was like hi um shane dawson is apparently back on the internet you can go away um oh my no burn it with fire yeah Please. james charles i i don't like any of them no i never really why liked, are any of them back i never really like paid attention to those people because like i'm just like there's nothing off and i'm just gonna stay away from it and i'm just gonna mind my business also because mm-hmm. i'm someone who like 
I try to watch as many like content creators as possible and like creators of color because I just want to like see people who look like me who are reflected. I think yep. the only creators that I watch that are kind of like, they're just like white people are like probably like Drew Gooden, Curtis Connor, David mm-hmm. Dallas, you know, mm-hmm. and like and Smosh, but like that's less now than I used to watch it. So yep. like, yeah, and Gabby, I remember she did a video where she talked about a girl that had passed away at school. And I was watching the video, I was like, this is very sad, but also, like, why are you making a video about this? Like, this is yep. so weird. And then, like, she talked about how, like, everyone was mad at her from her hometown. So she made another video to, like, kind of apologize, but then she doubled down yep. on it. Like, she was never someone who was good at apologizing. She never really, no. like, took accountability for anything that she did. And I noticed that when I was a fan of her, and eventually I was like, I can't keep watching this girl, because I don't know yep. what's going on. Spiraling she, down. Like, she went from story time to, like, doing workout stuff to like cleaning out her apartment to like redoing yep. her apartment and i was like she's just putting anything out here yep this is very this is boring and especially like, that jake paul thing in uh, jake paul's in logan paul um when he was in japan oh that was uh, that was uh, how that, stupid that do you have to be horrible horrible and he should never live that down no no no. Mm-mm. So I, one of my pet peeves. I know we're off topic completely. It doesn't matter. One of my pet peeves is when um someone does something wrong. Yeah. Clearly needs to get canceled for mm-hmm. it, but then people just let him back. Mm-hmm. Um, I say him because I'm thinking of a specific example. Mm-hmm. There was a country singer who said the N word, mm-hmm. uh, and they stopped playing his music. He was gone, and then a month later, he was back. I was like, what? People cannot learn in just like a month's time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that. Yep. That reminds me of uh, Gus Johnson and what's going on with him. Yeah. That was very like unfortunate. That was a lot to learn. That was so because I had actually watched Sabrina because like when you're a fan of somebody, you're gonna be a fan of everything else that their friends do. Yep. So like I knew that Gus and Sabrina weren't dating anymore, but I was like, oh, that's sad. But like you know, you know, it is what it is and like she had gotten like no surgery i think or something and she was talking about how like she was single throughout that time and i was like oh they broke up that sucks and then she uploaded the video about her ectopic pregnancy and i was like oh this is yep. this is very sad because like it's horrible to go through like that because pregnancy is not something that people pregnancy is not just a thing that you can just do like it's something you yep. really need to consider and like women's bodies go through a lot and so for you to like be so young and for that to happen to you that's going to affect you for the rest of your life that's heartbreaking but to not have someone yep. to support you through that time is also hard and i know that like certain people want like, nick is not green or like jarvis johnson or curse connor to say because they've yep. worked with gus publicly but this is also like a private matter that we yeah, all just found really out about is. and yep. like gus is wrong for how he treated Sabrina, and he was also wrong to come back with a medical sketch as well. That was dirty. Like, mm-hmm. we see you, sir, and it's stinky, stinky. Yep. But, like, yep. at the same time, I'm not going to force people I don't know to make a comment about something that's so about, like, someone they used to know. Because I don't know if, yeah. like, I don't know if Curtis Connors besties with Gus Johnson. I don't know that. Yeah. I can't know that for um, certain, you know? I need, I need to find something, because I want to, okay. I have a question for you going off of that. Yeah. Um, for, if you have a content creator, um, and you support them, they mm-hmm. do something that gets them canceled. Do you stop watching the people that they're affiliated with? Like, for example, Shane Dawson got, got canceled for the millionth time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but this time it was like actually he was gone for what a full year, yeah, and a half. Um, do you stop supporting his fiance now husband? Um, because he is marrying Ryland Adam, mm-hmm. uh, and his sister or Ryland's sister Morgan is also a YouTuber. Mm-hmm. If you stop watching Shane, stop supporting him. Does that mean you stop watching his fiance and his fiance's sister? I guess that's for an example. Yeah, I would say yes because like even though like Ryland didn't do the things Shane did and he's openly said like you know I don't support it and I don't want to I personally wouldn't because like I was a huge fan of Gabby but I stopped watching her before Jesse came out with all that stuff because I came to terms with the fact that Gabby is not a good person and the content she's yep. making isn't for me anymore and like a yep. month after I stopped watching her Jesse came out with the video and I was like okay. So I was right in my decision because this is mm-hmm. very much red flags bad, bad. And like yep. Gabby Hanna has a friend named Irene who makes videos about cooking and they're innocent mm-hmm. videos, nothing about Gabby at all. And they're all fine. But I stopped watching her videos because like I only know about her through Gabby. And like as much mm-hmm. as I like Irene as a person, and I think she's very funny and she's a girl, it sucks because like she's also seemingly Gabby's only friend at the moment. So if you're not really like telling Gabby hey you need to listen to what people are saying to you online because this is like serious but if you're just like kind of like being the yes man and letting her go on with what she's going on with then like I can't do it you know what I mean and I don't know these people in private or anything like that but it's not hard to stop watching it's not you can unsubscribe and you find someone else to watch there are so many people on YouTube that you can watch so many especially now YouTube's kind of at a point where each video is a hit or miss. Less and less people are subscribing because YouTube knows to recommend their videos to you. So you just automatically feel like, I don't need to subscribe. I know it's going to be on my feed. Mm-hmm. So at that point, you don't have to do anything except scroll past. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like, yeah. I personally, I've never subscribed to Shane Dawson. But I saw his video pop up on my feed. So YouTube also, like, this is something people had a conversation about online. Like, I feel like this is a serious thing to talk about. And Jarvis Johnson talked about this in his video when he's talking about Shane Dawson. Like, when people do things that are bad and, like, you have this platform, the platform needs to do something about it as well. Because, like, if I go to work, you know, and, like, say I work at an office. No, let's be, like, let's relate to my... Say I work in a grocery and I am like a baker you know if i get somebody sick with my baking the person like my boss has to do something to reprimand because i made someone sick i need to pay the content if there is somebody on your platform that has years of videos where they're saying and doing things that are closely related to pedophilia they need to be punished and you can't just take videos off like there has to be like serious consequences to what's going on like you can yep. take away their monetization you could take take them out of the partner program you yep. got to do something because this isn't working this isn't cutting mm-hmm. i think shane dawson was demonetized yeah I want, uh, he don't quote me on that he was but i don't know if like he got the monetization back or like whatever i don't know because like i'm not that man's manager but what i do know is that like when you have a video that has a million views right an hour after you upload it that seems like youtube's yeah also if you come back to youtube after they take the dislikes off of their site just so you can make your stupid stance sir i will kick you in your shit yeah i just gross like oh this reminds me of another show i saw with joe keery 
Um, it was a show about a guy who's like a vlogger, and he was like vlogging his night out when he was like doing this crazy stuff. Let me look it up. Wait, Majo Curie vlogger show. I think it was on Netflix or something. It probably wasn't on Netflix. Hold on. Yeah, it was this show. Hold on. Joe Curie kills people to go viral on social media. An entertaining film. Okay, it was an independent film called Spree. Nope. That's the, yeah, the movie's called Spree. Oh, Spree, yeah, yeah. I watched that. Yeah. I remember, like, hearing about the movie. I hadn't actually seen it, but I kind of do want to watch it because it ties into, like, it's, how, like, you know, I understand. It's a good watch. Yeah, I'm sure it's a great movie. If I can find it online, I'll definitely go watch it. But, but like, it's on YouTube. You could rent it. Um, okay. Uh, it's on Hulu. I think I'll watch it on Oh, Hulu. really? It's, it says it's on Hulu, but it's probably, like, on Hulu and then I need, like, live TV to actually watch it. Because mm-hmm. Hulu likes to do that to me sometimes. Yep. But it's so interesting, like, to watch a show. This, like, it's a horror film. And it's basically, like, a satire on the social media-obsessed rideshare driver who accidentally kills someone. And, like, he keeps going on and on and on, feeding off of the drama and feeding off of, like, the likes and everything. And it's talks- yep. it Like, you can see that in, like, social media stars, like, big or small really where like any kind of clout or attention is kind of like something that like draws them in and they feel like they could just do whatever and people should forgive them because like you like me this isn't me and they could just like lie to you because you don't know who they really are because they can put on a farce like you could see this person and be like oh this person's so nice and so kind and in private they're they're a butt face you know like you see this person they're a comedian and then someone else comes out and they'll be like no that person's rude and they're mean to me and they're not a nice person and they're the reason why nobody talks to me like there's so many examples of that that we can see in like the social media space and like it's yeah it's very rare to find someone online who you see behind the screen besides like friend groups I'm talking mm. about influencers yeah, and yeah, yeah. actors specifically. Yeah. When you see them on screen, it's very low chance that the person they are off the screen is the same. Um, yeah. Luckily, the communities I've been in, most of them have been those people being the same. Yeah. But like, if you're part of Gabby Hanna's community, you know she is going to be... She might be, I guess she might be the same, but she's not No, no. A good she person. has a Discord to her Patreon, and she threatens to sue everybody in her Discord because they're all talking about her. Because one of the mods actually opened up about how Gabby is, like, not in the Discord, doesn't do poetry readings, doesn't do anything she promised to people on Patreon. It's generally just, like, a bad boss and a bad admin. And she threatened to sue, like, a bunch of minors in her Discord. Like, she. Oh, through and through. Not a good person. Just not a good person. By the way, I do have to leave in like three minutes. Okay. Um, and do some stuff. Okay, that's fine. We can, I can just wrap it up then. Uh, we yeah, don't have to do the closing, like, I'll pass. But, um, guys, we kind of went on a tangent, but like, I feel like we... <laughs> We it was said a good all the, hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. We said all we wanted to say. We said all we... Mm-hmm. I want to say thank you to Matt for being here in the Anytime. pod. Yay! Thank you. And thanks to everybody who's watching. Uh, guys, if you're listening, don't forget to follow us on Spotify and on Instagram. Check us out on there. You can support us on anchor.fm. Rate and review us on Apple Podcast. And thank you again for listening, you guys. Thank you again, Matt, for coming on the pod. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. And uh, by the way, to anyone who's listening, I'm currently in the middle of writing a horror movie, so mm-hmm. uh, hopefully <laughs> it gets produced um, once it is finished. But mm-hmm. um, stay tuned for that if 
you are interested in the classic horror genre and seeing it now. Awesome. But good. I like to think that it's good and not just some cheesy thing. I'm but, sure it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. Right. And I'll see you guys next. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everyone.